This morning, as we continue in our Jesus Over Everything series, I'm going to first recap. Last week, if you weren't here, we talked about uh, bitterness versus gratefulness. We kind of stepped out of our normal uh, routine and message series. Uh, but the first week of Jesus Over Everything in Colossians, it's Paul introducing himself uh, he's encouraging the church of Colossae, who he's never met before, telling them like, hey, uh, I've heard from Epaphras, your church's founding pastor. I've heard about uh, your faith. I've heard about your hope. I've heard about your love. Week two, we talked about how Jesus is everything. He is creator, sustainer. He's Lord. He's head of the church. Uh, he is our rescuer, not just from hell, but from sin itself. So he's our rescuer from this present evil age. Praise God for that. Um, that I am not just saved by Jesus from when I die, but I am saved by Jesus right now that I no longer have to live and think and be emotionally tied to the things of this world. Because I can assure you that as a believer, the things of this world should not, they, they will try, have a hold on you because the enemy's constantly trying to pull you down, but you have been set free by Jesus. This morning, we're going to continue in chapter 1, beginning in verse 24 of Colossians 1. After Paul's brief manifesto of what the gospel is, again, like we talked about recapping last week, we get to verse 24, and Paul's now speaking to this church in a very direct way. Jesus, speak through me today. God, may the people who are hearing and listening respond because your spirit is tugging on their hearts. You know, I pray. Amen. Verse 24. Now I, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. All right, so remember, Paul is writing this letter from prison, and he's talking about the suffering that he is facing and why that suffering is something that he is thankful for. These afflictions that he is enduring, he is thankful for. I can tell you right now, I said in a pre-service prayer, these last two weeks have been very trying on me mentally. Like, when that third bird walked into the sanctuary today, I wish that thing would have come at me because I would have punched that bird right in the face. I mean, I, I was ready to kill a bird. I've come a long way. I've come a long way from calling my wife to come get the bird out of the church. <laughs> but I've just been so taxed mentally that this passage of Scripture is a real challenge for me today. As I'm talking about the things that I'm uh, enduring, and of course there's that, then you got the fact that for some reason my family just can't seem to get healthy, right? It's just one child after the other, they're playing tag team. I'm done. Like, I am mentally shot. But what Paul is saying here is, I am thankful that the, for the afflictions that I'm facing. And what Paul does here is he alludes to other epistles. And what he's talking about is he is thankful for the unity that he has in Jesus. Because Jesus suffered for you, for his church. And what Paul is saying here is that the suffering that he is enduring is also for what? The church. So he finds unity with Jesus, and he's thankful for it that Jesus has found him worthy of suffering for the body. And you know, when you think about it, I mean, when you truly think about it, spiritual attacks, spiritual attacks, which are very much a real thing, very much a real thing, they happen because 
of your commitment to Jesus. And they happen because of your steadfastness in your faith. So just as Paul says, I am thankful for what I am suffering because what I suffer is for the body of Christ. You can say, when you are under spiritual attack, even though it's difficult, as I'm saying this morning, I'm thankful that Jesus finds me worthy of fighting through birds in a sanctuary, children who can't seem to get healthy, COVID pandemic while pastoring the church, helping people walk through difficult seasons of their life. I'm thankful for it. Is it easy? No, no, it's not. But I'm thankful that Jesus finds me worthy of this affliction for the cause that he's given to me. And then when he, I'm going to go, let's move forward. Verse 25, this is what Paul says. He says, I have become, if you haven't noticed, this is, this is going to be a very emotional message for me. And I didn't anticipate this but this is just what it is. Verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave, to, gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So Paul wants him to understand that he is a servant who has been commissioned by God. This mission, this life that he has been given to live, to fulfill, has been given to him by God. It's nothing that he can deny. It's nothing that he can step away from. Do you understand that you cannot step away from the call of God? It will always be there. It will always be there. So like, you know, I've gotten job offers. Um, I'll, I'll, share a brief, I'll share you a brief one. Um, it was, I was actually still living at home with my parents. Um, my, Julie and I were going to get married soon. I, I proposed before I had a full-time job. It was crazy. Um, <clears throat> I proposed the moment I got a part-time job working 20 hours a week because I said, I'm just going to believe that God is going to handle this. This is literally what I did. Uh, we were only engaged six months too but this is how it worked out. So while we were engaged, I got an interview uh, to go to a church out in Pittsburgh, okay? And we went to that church, and uh, even as we left, we were like, you know what? Um, it's not bad, but I don't think this is it. And, and we left, and the pastor said, hey, I'll, be, I'll reach out to you later, and um, we'll figure it out. So in the meantime, a few weeks later, uh, I get this call from another pastor, this one in Ohio. And this pastor says, hey, we'd love to have you out. Uh, so I come out, uh, do some interview stuff, meet the church, all that stuff, and, and then head home. And Julie and I are talking, and we're like, you know what, we think this would be, we think this would be good. And then <laughs> three days later, I just felt, and Julie, we both felt, you know what, we got to call the Pittsburgh pastor. I remember it's been like, it's been three weeks. I'm like, we got to tell this, call this pastor and tell him that, you know, I'm done. And so we, I call him up and I'm like, hey, I'm just calling to let you know I want to pull my name from consideration for this position. Okay, now remember, I'm living at home with my parents. I'm going to be getting married in like a month or two. I've got a part-time job at a YMCA. And I'm basically working myself out of the job because um, I was too good at it. And I developed a process where I basically cut my hours down. I was not smart. 
Um, and I reached this point where I, I call this pastor up and say, hey, you can remove my name from consideration. And the pastor says to me, what do you mean remove your name? I say, I, I just, I don't want to be considered anymore. He said, no, 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 no. Like, you have to understand, like, I've already talked with the board. We've already approved your package. I'm ready to talk with you right now about accepting this position. And I'm like, okay. But in that moment, I remembered what God had already spoken. And he said, hey, just remove your name from that. Because God's going to call you for this one. And this is what I believe that he's speaking to me on for Ohio. So I'm talking with this pastor. I'm like, you know, I, I really appreciate it, but I think that I'm going to have to say no. He's like, he kept, just kept persuading me and persuading me and persuading me. Um, and then finally, I just, I, I tell him again, I'm like, listen, like, I, I appreciate the consideration, but no. And then my phone starts ringing while I'm still on the phone with him from the pastor in Ohio. And Julie's in the room with me. She's like, hang up the phone and pick up the phone. I was like, I'll call him right back. She said, hang up. You've told him no like four times already. So finally, I get off the phone and I call him up. He said, you know what, man? We just loved our time together and we really want to offer you this position right now. And I was like, awesome. The number of times in my life I've had to say no for the yes that I believe that God was giving to me is more substantial than you might realize. Because the problem is that the call of God does not go away. There will be other opportunities. You will try to run. There will be people who present opportunities to you, but the call of God will always be there. And as Paul talks about in this passage of scripture, he says, I have been called by God to serve a commission to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. And so I am thankful for the afflictions that I face for his church because he has found me worthy of it. Man, talk about both frustrating and encouraging at the same time. So Paul then, he continues on, he's talking about the church, and remember the church in Colossae, uh, they're struggling uh, with this, this heresy that's beginning to infiltrate it, that you need some kind of secret knowledge uh, to be saved. It's like, hey, we would preach what? Uh, you are saved by the blood of Jesus and by surrendering to him, asking him to forgive you of your sins, believing that he died on the cross for them, and walking in the path that he has laid out for you. I mean, that's, that's it. But they said, no, if you want to be saved, you have to understand that there's this, there's this other realm of knowledge that you have to attain in order to f- find out and walk in your salvation. So that's what's trying to infiltrate this church. And so when we get to uh, verse 26, Paul then begins to speak directly to this mystery, this unknown secret thing. And Paul, is a, he's a genius because what he does is he's trying to help them understand that this mystery that they believe in is this false teaching of it's unattainable, it's hard to grasp, this mystery, this is what he says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery, this unattainable knowledge, 
is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You understand that's not a secret knowledge. Jesus has already revealed himself. He has already given himself. And this secret, this mystery that is unable to be fathomed is that we as Gentiles have been grafted into the vine that was established with Abraham, this chosen family that we have all been brought together by the blood of Jesus. And we have hope. And that hope is not something that's out there. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to mute my mic real quick. I feel like this cough is going to stay for like a month, so be ready for it. So he is, he is the hope of glory. He is our hope in heaven. He is our savior. He is our rescuer. He is our victory in troubled times. He is our freedom from every chain. He is Christ in you. And you see, when we walk through this, we want to uh, live in a world that is not Christ in you, but we like to, I mean, I don't want to say like, but we hear messages of Christ with you. It is not Christ with you, the hope of glory. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Jesus who attains. It is Jesus who strengthens. It is Jesus who endured the cross, scorning its shame so that you could be brought at one with the Father. It is Christ in you, not Christ with you. And we hear that. And pride is what tries to rob you of what the cross has already won for you. But I want to do it. You don't have to do it. It's already been done. Swallow our pride and understand that it is Christ in us not Christ with us. <clears throat> so as, as Paul is writing this, he says, uh, even moving forward, verse 28, he says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So again, Paul, he's talking about this whole concept of him working hard. Okay? Understand that Christ in you does not mean that you sit back and Jesus acts like a puppet master pulling your strings and you're like, all right, I'm going to do what Jesus says now. That's not how it works. It's Christ in you. Not Christ controlling you. It's Christ in you. And so what Paul is talking about here is he's saying, hey, listen, abide with Jesus, spend time with Jesus. And over time, he transforms you from the inside out so that your actions begin to reflect Jesus. If you've been married for any length of time, if you've had a best friend that you spend a lot of time with, you might find yourself saying things at the exact same time you may find yourself recognizing what that other person might say. You begin repeating phrases. You begin developing the same vocabulary. Studies have been done that over time, married people begin to look like one another because they share the same emotions, 
This is a true story. They share the same emotions, and therefore their wrinkles begin to reflect the same position. This is a solid fact. Because couples who share and joy together, it's obvious. And so the more time we spend with Jesus, abiding with him, he makes us more like him. So that Christ in us becomes something so much more. Because Christ in me, so that Christ can through me. It's Christ in me, so that Christ can through me. And this is something that, again, we struggle with pride. We want to do it. We want to achieve it. And listen, I think it's good to work hard. It's not bad to work hard. But the issue is we have to give Christ the credit he deserves and give him the lead Abide with him and allow him to transform you so that he in you can through you. So that you become a person full of joy and peace and patience. So he says all these things and then we're going to jump into chapter 2 today. We're not going to go far, so don't worry, you're not going to be here long. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. There it is again, the mystery of God, namely Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Again, in Jesus, wisdom, knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you, my fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So Paul, again, he's alluding to this mystery because he's talking to the church where it's all about this mystery that we can't understand and he's helping them understand it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus in you so that Jesus can through you. It's not something that's unattainable. It's someone who's already given you his life. And now because he has given you his spirit, you can be transformed by him. And so he talks about this laboring, and that laboring is abiding, and that laboring is being obedient, and that laboring is understanding that when Christ calls you to something, you walk in obedience with it. It's not something far off or unattainable. It's very much attainable. And is that not good news? (laughs) You want to talk about the gospel being good news. The good news is that it's not something that's far away from me, but it's something that Jesus has made readily available to me because he's already done it all. So when he talks about how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is, that is tied to your relationship with Jesus, to the time that you spend with him. I guarantee if I were to ask you to raise your hand and and I said, Apparently, my weight over time is beginning to make this creak, and that's bothering me. <laughs> Got to keep losing weight. Got to keep doing it. Um, if I had to ask you over time, don't raise your hand, but I were to say, I'm not talking about your circumstances, because right now my circumstances are not fun, but I'm talking about your resolve would be the way I would phrase it. Are you more resolved in your faith 
and the fruit of the Spirit when you spend time with Jesus or when you don't spend time with Jesus. Understanding that when you spend time with Jesus, more than likely, attacks of the enemy will come. But I'm still more resolved. You know, I talked about punching a bird today, right? That's what I wanted to do. Man, when I'm going through a spiritual attack, man, I just, and I've been abiding with Jesus, man, I, I want to pray. <clears throat> I want to pray the devil back to hell. Like, that's just where I'm at. And so as we move forward today, and I'm going to wrap up here with these next three verses. Mute again. Verses 6 through 8. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. That goes back to last week, by the way. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Understand something that Paul says here. Because he said it earlier too. In the previous passage of scripture, he says, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. In verse 8 here in chapter 2, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. This is something for us today. When, when Paul is talking to this church where they're talking about like all these, these secrets and these mysteries that we can't attain. Listen, um, for those of you who are on social media and you don't know that this is like a big thing right now, manifesting is garbage. And you're like, what's manifesting? Manifesting is when you think you can shout to the universe and manifest something into existence. That's hollow, deceptive, fine-sounding argument. It's stupid. We as Christians believe that Jesus Christ is sustainer and creator and has the ability to transform circumstances. You don't have to manifest anything. You can pray to your Lord and Savior and ask him to change a circumstance for you. Crystals, garbage. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to walk a line here. I'm going to walk a line. Essential oils. I'm going to walk a line. Just listen all the way through can be used in a positive way. But if your faith is in an oil, you have lost your mind. <laughs> My faith is not in Advil to remove a migraine. I take it because it could help. I lay down because I believe it can help. But I still believe that Jesus is the one who can transform and so what Paul says here is he says, hey, it's Christ in me so that Christ can through me. And now what we do is we live our lives in Jesus. We live our lives in Jesus rooted and built up in him. Right now in my backyard, I don't know if I actually took it down or not. Right now in my backyard, though, there's this stick that was just pushed into the mud. I'm sure it was a kid. It could have been my wife because Julie does things like that. Um, <clears throat> but there was this stick that just sat in the ground. It was like right outside my back door. It stood about this high. And I kept looking at it, and I was going to make this video, and I forgot to make it, but I'm just going to describe what I wanted to say to you this way. So there's a stick just stuck down into the mud. 
it would be really easy, and again, I don't know if it's happened yet, but it would be really easy for me to walk up to that stick and kick that stick over or to pull that stick out of the ground. Why? Because that stick is just in the mud, now in the dirt. Actually, now it's stormed overnight, mud. <laughs> but there's a big difference between trying to kick over that stick that's been just placed in the mud versus the trees I have in my backyard and trying to push those things over. Why? Because they're rooted down and they're built up. They are sturdy. They are bearing of, not fruit, but they're bearing of leaves. And yeah, 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 I mean, there is a fruit to them, but not fruit we would eat. Bearing fruit and rooted down. How do we do that? We abide with the root, Jesus Christ, so that we can bear the fruit. That is the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of our lives. And so we live our lives in Jesus, rooted down deep, so that he can build something up within us and through us. Christ in me, so that Christ can through me. Worship team, can you guys come this morning? Again, don't fall to the victim of New Age thinking. Don't fall victim to hollow philosophies. Instead, understand that it is Jesus and Jesus alone who has made a way not only for you to be saved, but for you to walk in the freedom from this present age. In this world, we will have trouble. All you have to do is open any kind of news source right now to know that this world has trouble. <clears throat> I can share this. There's a few things I can't share, but there's a, I was on a Zoom call on Friday with, um, <clears throat> with pastors and ministry directors from, from Eurasia. I think that's you. It might not be, but I think it's you. Um, and one of the things that the director over that region said was six weeks ago, <clears throat> pastors from all over the area began to talk about this deep-rooted hunger for Jesus that was happening amongst the people. Six weeks ago. And you look at it now and you go, what happened? There's a physical war taking place. There's also very much a spiritual war taking place. And the way that we withstand it and the way we find ourselves victorious, which Jesus has already won the victory, is to walk with Jesus. Because the hope of glory is Christ in you. And if you abide with Jesus and with Christ in you, then Christ will through you. So that your light can shine bright in this dark world. We are saved and transformed and we need not worry of the things of this world because Jesus is already over them. He's already over them. He already knows tomorrow. He already knows next week. He already knows next year. He has a plan. It might not make sense to us, but he has a plan. So I'm going to pray and they're going to sing a song of reflection and then I'll come up and close this out. But my encouragement to you today is this. Understand that Jesus in, in you is greater than Jesus with you. You understand? Jesus in you is greater than Jesus with you. Because when you try to take away from what Jesus wants to do because of your own pride and your own self, 
we may miss out. So abide with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus and allow him to work in your life. And you will see how he transforms you from the inside out. To the world it may appear as Christ with, but you will know it is Christ in. Jesus, as we sing this song of reflection, before we close our service in a few moments, God, may we take this moment to commit ourselves to you, believing that you are, that you are rescuer, that you are victorious over all. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing and reflect.